You're listening to Connect Communities Podcast, recorded live in Stamford, Connecticut. If you'd like to know more about our community, stop by our website at www.connectcommunity.tv. Enjoy the message. Today's going to be fun. Now, have you ever thought about, like if you think, you think ahead, right? I think everybody, even if you're single in the room or if you're already a parent, have you ever thought about like what your kids would do in life? Like, you know, not, not just about you, like what you're going to become, but you think about your kids and you think, okay, what is my kid going to do? Like what, is, what are their lives going to look like? Um, what, what, what are they going to choose? I mean, what kind of child? Like from the moment Maya was born, I started to think, I'm like, okay, what is she going to do? Like, from, like what, what is she going to become? What is she going to choose? You know, what's her life going to look like? But more than what she was going to choose as a career, it always affected me the thought of what, who is she going to, like, is she going to choose God? How much is she going to choose God? How, what's her devotion to God going to look like? How much is she going to love him? Is she going to want to go into ministry? Is she going to, like, serve in the church? Is she going to choose God? Like, that's always been a concern for me. And when Peyton and Chloe came into the picture, it didn't change. Like, it's, now I'm concerned about them, too. And it's like, okay, how can I make sure that they are going to choose God? How am I going to make sure that, that they are going to choose to live for the same God that I live, that they're not going to, you know, veer off and they're not going to just kind of do their own thing and decide that, you know, I don't, I don't know what my parents are doing over there in that church, but, like, I am going to, you know, go in this direction. Like, that's always been a huge concern for me. And it's gotten more intensified lately because I don't know about you, but, I turn on the news, and it's pretty sad, like, to hear the stories that we hear, right? I mean, I turned on the news the other day, and I saw that a little boy from Cincinnati, who was seven years old, had committed suicide. I'm like, seven. He's in elementary school. Like, this is not okay. And, and then I, I did a little bit of research, and it turns out that depression and anxiety and suicide are at all-time highs, and, and suicide is the second leading cause of death for kids in, the, um, between, in grades 7 to 12. The second. Now, they're in 7 to 12. Like, that's, that's crazy to me. And then I, I looked a little bit more, and it's, it, it seems that there are 5,240 5, attempted suicides daily. Like, that's not okay. That's really not okay. And my heart, I don't know what has happened in the past few months, but my heart's been so heavy for our youth. It's so, it's not what it's looking like. It's not okay. See, these kids are hopeless. They're so young and already hopeless, already lost, already looking at, looking at their lives and going, I have no reason to live. You're, you're just beginning. You're just beginning your life, and somehow they're already looking and going, I have no reason to live. Now, that's, that's not Okay. There's a passage in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews 6, 19, that says, We have this hope as an anchor for our lives, safe and secure. It enters in the inner sanctuary and behind the curtain, which means it enters the presence of God. So we have this hope, which is an anchor for our soul. This generation is struggling to find an anchor. It's struggling to find something to live for. It's struggling to find the hope that they need to go out, to press through, to push through. And if you're a student in this room, I want to tell you something. 
God created you. See, the world is trying to tell you and the schools and education is trying to tell you that you came from nothing, you're a cosmic blast of some sort, and that you're going nowhere, that there is nothing after this. No wonder most of them are living for nothing because they're coming from nowhere and going nowhere, so what do you live for, right? And if you're a student here, let me tell you, God created you. God created you. He knit you together while you were still in your mom's womb. He gave you the breath of life that you have. He is your source and he is your, your savior. He is the hope you need. He is the one that will help you through situations. That doesn't mean that you're not going through things. You may be going through things. But he is there to walk with you. There is hope. There is a tomorrow. There is a way out of this. There is a next season. This, this will pass. There is a next season. Do not believe what you are hearing in school. Do not believe that you came from nothing because you were designed with purpose. You were designed with intent. Don't let them lie to you. And I, I feel like people are trying to take away the value of human life right? I feel like they're, they're taking away the value. And I want to tell you today that you have value. You have purpose. See, there's this passage that I, that I um, heard about 10 years ago that I still cannot shake off. It's been about 10 years that it's been in my mind and in my heart. And I feel like it's an anthem call for us. And it's found in Judges 2. And just to give you a little bit of context. Now, Judges is talking about Joshua right? Joshua was the man chosen after Moses. Moses was the guy that went into Egypt and took out the, you know, all his people. He brought, let my people go. Remember that, guys? So Moses went in, talked, brought the Israelites out of Egypt. They stayed in the desert for about 40 years. God told Moses, you're not going to make it into the promised land. There's going to be someone that's going to do, take the people for you. And that's Joshua. Now Joshua comes into play, right? Joshua they see so many miracles throughout the time of Joshua. God comes into Joshua's life to confirm that he is the chosen one to lead the people. Like he says, I'm going to confirm it. Like people are going to see in you that I am with you. So with Joshua, this generation of people, they see, they cross the Jordan with, in dry land. So God parts the waters for him and they cross the Jordan in dry land. They get into the, past the Jordan and then they see the walls of Jericho come down so God is fighting their battles for them right the walls of Jericho fall with the shout of their tr trumpets and their singing and stuff not by fight but they fall by God right they see victories victory after victory of God just defeating you know enemies for them this is what they see and then we get to Judges 2 um, verse 6 through 8 and then verse 10 so Joshua sent the people away and the Israelites went to take possession of the land each to his own inheritance the people worshiped the Lord throughout Joshua's lifetime and during, that, during the lifetimes of the elders who outlived Joshua. So the, the people during Joshua's generation, they all worshiped the Lord, right? They had seen all the Lord's great works that he had done for Israel. Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. That whole generation was also gathered to their ancestors. So the whole generation of Joshua passed. After them arose another generation. After them, another generation rose up who did not know the Lord or the works that he had done for Israel. I mean, 
I'm sorry, what? The generation that came after Joshua, so the entire generation of Joshua experienced this amazing miracles. God parting the waters, battles being won, walls of Jericho falling, lands being given that God had promised to Moses. Like this was a generation that had witnessed amazing miracles, right? That generation dies. The next one comes up and does not know a thing about what God had done. They, write, they come up and they don't know that what God had done. They did not know um, how God had saved. They didn't know anything. And how does that happen? How does it happen that one gen- my kids, my kids not knowing what God had done through our, in our lives. And it's actually really quite simple. What happened is the parents didn't share. The parents never told them. So the people of Israel, after all of that got done and their, and their lands were separated and they started to settle down. They settled into their lands. They settled into their homes. They stopped believing. They didn't need manna anymore. They didn't need God to intervene anymore. So they went, I, we got this. So what happened? They didn't go back to say thank you. They didn't go to, to uh, the altar to say, God, you, to remember what he had done. They just kind of went... We're good now. We're good. We don't need anything. So they just kind of went through life on their own, and they didn't share with their kids. And here's the unbelievable part. God knew this was coming because God always knows everything, right? He knew this was coming, and he gave them a way so that he taught them how to not let this happen. Before everything even got there, he said, okay, here's what I need you to do. If we go into Joshua 4, he tells, he tells Joshua, After the entire nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord spoke to Joshua, Choose twelve men from the people, one man from each tribe, and command them, Take twelve stones from this place in the middle of the Jordan where the priests are standing, carry them with you, and set them down at the place where you spend the night. So Joshua summoned the twelve men he had selected from the Israelites, one man from each tribe, and said to them, Go across the ark of the Lord your God in the middle of the Jordan. Each of you lift one stone into the shoulder, one for each of the Israelite tribes, so that this will be a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean to you? You should tell them, the waters of the Jordan were cut off in front of the Ark of the Lord's Covenant. When it crossed the Jordan, the Jordan's water were cut off. Therefore, these stones will always be a memorial for the Israelites. See how brilliant God knew. Right? God knew that once all the dust had settled, once they had gotten the victories they were believing for, once they weren't pilgrims in this land anymore, but they were home, right, that they would forget what God had done. He knew. So he instructs them. He tells them, listen, here's what you do so that have a memorial stone so that you could tell your kids what I have done so that you won't forget. He, he, he was ahead of them. And this is not the only time God has been telling them to, to tell their kids. In Deuteronomy, you also find him telling them to commit their hearts to the, to the word of God and to teach, to teach the children, um, talk about them when you are at home, when you are on the road, or when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. See, Deuteronomy 11, he's telling them, like, look. Talk to your kids about what I'm teaching you. Talk to your kids about the law. Talk to your kids about the things that I'm telling you to do. Talk to them about it. Instruct your kids. See, mom, dad, grandpa, grandma in the room, brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles, we have a responsibility 
God has instructed us to care for the next generation. He tells us in Proverbs that we are to teach our youth in the way that they should go. So that when they grow up, they won't veer off. We have been given the responsibility to share what the Lord has placed, has done in our lives. We have been given the responsibility to care for those coming after us. You know, for those of you that don't have children in your room, you're probably thinking, well, I don't have kids, so I'm off the hook. No. No. Because you probably have a brother or sister. Or you have kids that are around you. Or you have nieces and nephews. Or there's always a youth around. And it is our job to care for those that are not being taught. It is our job to show them the works that God is doing in our lives so that they could have hope. See, it is Jesus that is the anchor. It, the hope that, we, that they need comes from Jesus. And unless they hear it from someone, where will they find him? Where will they be anchored? Where were these kids who are just looking around and to, hoping to grasp something? They're looking. They need to grasp something. They need an anchor. Where will they get it? It is from us. It is from us sharing what God has done in our lives. It is from us remembering. And let me talk to you a little bit about this memorial stone business. See, in the Old Testament, there's several times when God does this memorial stone thing with Abraham, with several of them. So what they were is these are pieces of rocks or a stone that they would put in a place either as a memory of what God had done, right? Well, they would take it as a memory of what God had done or as a reminder of the promise that God had made at a specific place. So they would set up these stones. Now, what does that look like for you and I? We're not going to walk around collecting rocks from places, Right? What does it look like for us? That looks like us writing it down. It means we either keep a journal or we keep a list. Or, and we just write the things that God has done, the prayers that God has answered, the things that we thought we couldn't make it but God showed up. See, I have this little list that I keep next to my computer. And Maya actually saw it the other day and she asked me, like, what is it? And I'm like, this is the stuff that God has done in our lives. Because we too forget. We, too, forget that, you know what, when we needed him, he showed up. When we were praying for something, he answered. We often, we are quick to forget the works that the Lord has done. I mean, and if we forget, how will they know, right? And so my, I encourage you to have a memorial list. Write down the things that God, it not only builds your faith, but it also proves to you that he is working, that he is active and sometimes we're so caught up in our situation and we're so caught up in what we need to get done now that we forget that he has worked before. He has shown up before. He is going to show up again. He will. But and you have to do whatever it takes to remind you that he is faithful. See, memorial stones are landmarks of God's faithfulness. Right? They're landmarks of his faithfulness. And I want to encourage you this morning, as far as our, our children, as far as the youth, we, we don't project perfection to a lost generation. We model surrender. Perfection is non-existence. It's not, they're not going to achieve that. And if they keep looking at these rock stars and at these TV people and all of these athletes for what to, what to become, they're going to become more and more lost. Right? So we are the ones that need to model to them what surrender to God looks like and the rewards that come for that surrender. It is our responsibility to model. 
See, I want to tell you a story about one of our friends here. So most of you probably know Bangi. She's a beautiful South African lady in the room. And I talked to her the other day, and I thought it was so profound. We were having coffee, and she's telling me about her mom. She's telling me how her, her, her mom's faith, faithfulness has impacted her life. See, her mom gets up in the morning and goes into her work and prays for her coworkers. And she's done this for year upon year upon year, just praying for her coworkers. And many of her coworkers have actually come to know the Lord because of Bangi's mom. And she told me her name, and I don't want to butcher her mom's name. I think it's Vui. Vui? Yeah, I got it. Vui. Um, so her mom, you know, would pray for her coworkers, and they, they would come to, they learned to lean on her when they needed prayer or when they felt like they needed some guidance, they would come to her mom. And Bongi is watching all of this, right? And I was talking to Bongi, and she tells me about the times that she would be at home praying with her mom, and they would pray in the house, and they would have these moments with God together. And I, I kid you not, if you talk to Bongi today, you can sense her steady anchor in God. You sense that she's anchored. Like nothing can take her away from her God. You're right? Because she didn't lean on the things that the world were throwing on her. She knew from very early age, her mom told her that your anchor is Jesus. You know? And so it comes from our house. It comes from us teaching those around us. Listen, if, you have, if you're not a parent, but you have a brother or sister, have you stopped to pray with your brother or sister? Have you maybe stopped and gone, wait a minute. Maybe they're not, they're not my responsibility, but what if I can teach them a little bit? What if I can pray with them in their need? What if I can give them some perspective? I think all of, there's so many youth today walking through life alone, and we can just turn our head a little bit and just pay attention and just look at those around us. Look at those kids around us who are struggling and just say, hey, God's got you, man. God's got you. Let's go out there into the world and make a difference in this generation that is coming. Let's not let them f find hopelessness and not find Jesus. They're finding that they have nothing to live for. When Jesus is knocking on their door going, hey, I have a plan. I have a purpose for your life. I want to change your life. I want to do things in your life. There's so much more ahead of them. And we're responsible for them. We're responsible for these kids. Life is a vapor, and we know that. We've heard this before, and there's a passage that says that life is but a vapor. And we come and we go real, real fast. It would be really sad if we just focused on our own lives, right? And we didn't leave a legacy behind. We didn't leave people that were encouraged, people that, that found Jesus through our lives, and there's a generation looking, looking, just searching, and they're trying to grasp at anything. And my encouragement today is it's Mother's Day, right? It's the day of legacy. It's the day of moms put in a lot of work. And I want to tell you this morning that the best work you can do is the one of teaching your kids about the Lord. It's the one that says, you know what, let's talk about what God has done in my life. I've thought about just, just Talking to your kids about what God has done in your life. Like, you know, I was praying for this. It was funny because I was praying with Maya last night. And I was like, Maya, let's pray because she has been a little sick this weekend. And so she, I was like, let's pray for your health. And she looks at me and she says, yeah, but he's not going to answer my prayer. I was like, right? <laughs> Left field. I was like, why? <laughs> why is he not going to answer your prayer? She goes, oh, I don't think he. I was like, 
Why not, Maya? Oh, because he doesn't answer immediately. It's like, oh, okay. Now we're talking different. And so I had this opportunity, right, to kind of go, well, sometimes right now is not the best time for you, right? And talking to her, just, have, just take moments like that to talk to your kids and let's pray together. Why are we praying for this? What do we want? What do we want to see God do? Like she's been praying for good weather and the sun is brilliant. And I always remind her, look, the sun is out. You prayed. You know, these are our opportunities to speak hope into them through the presence of Christ. Through the presence of Christ. And this is my encouragement to you today is to live with a mind for the next generation. Is to find a way to anchor those kids. Help us. Let's change our community by anchoring these kids, the generation that's coming. It is not okay for six, seven-year-olds to be struggling the way they are. It's not okay for us to look into our schools and find that the counselors are so overburdened that they can't handle the demand because these kids are so lost. That's not okay. And so that's my encouragement on Mother's Day, that we would take it the next step, that we wouldn't be so worried about the now, right, but we would be worried about their souls, about their lives, about their hearts, and what God is doing in their lives. I'm going to ask you to stand if you wouldn't mind.